morning's reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, reading from verses 1 to 7. In the large print Bibles, that's on page 1840, and in the church Bibles on page 1160. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Thank you, Jonathan. Morning. Um, so as Tom said, um, over the summer, um, the speakers have been asked to talk on a passage that's really meant something to them, their favorite passage. Um, and as we've just heard, I, I've chosen um, part of 2 Corinthians, um, verse 4, the first part of it. Um, and I, I picked these verses really because it's... Um, there's, God's spoken quite often um, through them to me. Um, often when I've been a little bit overconfident in my own abilities and God's needing to put me back in my place. Um, but also as an encouragement sometimes when I'm feeling a, a little bit too heavy, the um, responsibilities that I've taken on myself. There's quite a lot to unpack in um, these seven verses, and so I'm not going to attempt to do it all. Um, when God's highlighted this to me, he's actually um, normally focused me in on verse seven, um, and it's a really familiar one um, to us. And, and as I was preparing for today, I felt him do the same. So that's what we're going to concentrate on today. Um, and verse seven says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And as I was asking God what he wanted to say through this, um, I heard him really clearly give me one word. Um, and I said, God, I've got to talk for 20 minutes, I need more than one word. <laughs> um, but um, the one word, it was um, authentic. And so authenticity is going to be a theme that's just going to be threaded through um, the whole of what we're reflecting on today. So let's start with that. What does it mean to be authentic? What does it look like when we're authentic? It means being real, 
being genuine, being honest about who we are. If we look in the Bible, we see um, examples everywhere about people who were authentic. Um, Jesus, always a good place to start. He, um, he was authentic. He wept when his friend Lazarus had died. He was scared in the Garden of Gethsemane. He couldn't cope with people 24-7, so he took time out. He, he wasn't scared to put boundaries in place and took time out to rest and recover and spend time with God. He never disguised his humanity, but at the same time, he never disguised his divinity. The account of Peter in the Bible is, um, is very authentic. It, um, there's a record of um, a lot of silly things that he said and did. It, um, the writers of the Bible, they weren't scared to um, keep these things in. They didn't paper over the cracks. Um, he was one of the main leaders of the early church, yet he kept a rec- there was a record of his denial of Jesus. There's a record of him cutting the soldier's ear off. Um, they kept accounts of failures and the silly things that he said and did. And I, I think part of that is to encourage us, really, to help us relate a little bit more um, to who he was. And here in 2 Corinthians, um, which is a letter written um, by Paul to the Corinth church, um, we see Paul being authentic. Um, In a lot of his letters, he's um, quite honest about who he is, about his weaknesses, about um, his openness to allow God to work through him, but not to draw the attention to him himself. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 5, um, and this is Paul speaking, he said, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I had proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except for Jesus Christ, him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And Paul, um, in 2 Corinthians especially, is is responding to um, some criticism from the Corinth church. There's a long list of things that they were criticizing him about. And something I found really interesting when I was looking into this was actually, they said he was pretty impressive on paper. His writing was good, um, but he was a bit of a disappointment in person. When he turned up and he was at the front and he was speaking, um, he wasn't actually all that great. Um, And I was surprised at that, because you kind of expect that people in the Bible, especially leaders of the church who have um, established churches, and, and that you'd expect them to be kind of good up the front, I think. And, um, and I like that. I like that he was, he was taking that on. He was saying, yeah, look, I'm not actually all that great in that area. Um, but we need to allow our faith to rest on God's power, not on human wisdom. So I believe that we can use authenticity as um, Paul did to redirect the attention to God um, and away from us. And um, so if we're going to be authentic and honest about who we are, first we need to understand who is Paul saying that we are um, in these verses. So he's talking about a jar of clay 
um, or in other translations, um, earthen vessels. The picture of a clay jar or an earthen vessel is of something that is brittle and easily broken. It's something that they would use to carry things in or to store things in. So like a, I don't know, a Sainsbury's carrier bag or um, a kilner jar that's on your shelf in the kitchen, although they're quite pretty. Um, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. <clears throat> it's not about the object, it's not about the container, it's actually about what's inside it. That's the important thing, the treasure. Um, so maybe we can easily relate to that, the feeling of being brittle. Maybe you feel like you're breaking and vulnerable. Maybe you feel like you're of little value or that you feel ignored or used. Or maybe actually you struggle with this concept um, because our culture tells us that being strong and confident and competent is good and actually having weaknesses and being fragile um, is, is bad and something to be avoided and something to hide. Um, also, the Bible teaches that we should reflect Jesus, and Jesus was perfect. Um, so surely that means we should be working on, on our self-improvement um, and desiring to be more like Christ. We often listen to sermons that encourage us to reflect on areas of our life when we're weaker and look to God to work in those areas and heal us um, and help us to improve. And this is good, but how does that fit? with accepting that we're brittle and we're easily broken. Um, I found this explanation online and I think it was quite helpful in addressing this. There's an excellency of power in the gospel of Christ to enlighten the mind, to convince the conscience, to convert the soul and to rejoice the heart. But this power is from God the author and not from men who are but instruments so that God in all things must be glorified. And God has so ordered it that the weaker the vessels are, the stronger his power may appear to be. So basically by opening ourselves up to God, by letting him work in us, um, he's able to show his power through us. The more authentic and honest we are about our brittleness, the more obvious it is that we need him and the more significant it is that he offers grace. So I'd like to just explore um, quickly three areas um, of, and, and really look at how, what does that mean? What does that look like? How can we be earthen vessels or jars of clay um, in reality? Um, and the three areas, as Tom mentioned before, are our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with people who don't know God. So, our relationship with God first. Um, and as I was thinking about it, I, I really thought, um, I really felt God say that the, the key to being a clay jar um, within the context of our relationship with God is all about surrender. If we're wanting to shine God or redirect the focus from us to God, as Paul says, then surely surrendering is the key. When we surrender, we're saying, God, you know best, you're almighty, you are wisdom, 
I can never hope to be perfect in this life, but you are. And I need your grace, so you take over. It's not about me getting better or stronger or more skilled or more wealthy. It's about surrender. Has anyone watched Grand Designs? Yeah? I love it. Um, <laughs> I've got it on series link. Um, so there was one episode, and I've seen them all. Um, there was one episode where um, the couple that were building their house, they used um, a lot of glass, and, and that in itself isn't really very unusual, but um, it was the way they used it and the type of glass. And, and what they did was, on the inside, um, they used glass to separate the spaces, so in, essentially as walls. Um, so you could be standing on the landing, and you look to your left, and you see straight into the kids' bedroom, which can be quite helpful sometimes, um, or you might not want to, you might enjoy closing the door. Um, but you could stand in the kids' bedroom, and you could look straight through the wall, through the landing, into mum and dad's bedroom. It's maybe not quite so good. <laughs> um, and so you could, it was just this vast open space, it seemed, um, because everything was transparent, all of the walls were clear. But the amazing thing about this glass was that you pressed a button and it changed from being completely transparent to being opaque. And not just the kind of distortion that you get from a bathroom window, you, you couldn't even see the silhouette of someone moving inside that room. The wall, just from a press of a button, uh, went from being transparent to being a solid wall. And I just wonder whether we might be a little bit like this glass, or our surrender might be a little bit like this glass. So God's created us for a purpose, um, maybe like the glass. The glass has a purpose to keep the weather out, um, to make a building watertight to let light into a space that would otherwise be filled with darkness. But if you look out of a well-positioned window, you see a beautiful landscape. If you look through a um, window of a shop, you see the products on sale all lit up. Or if you stand in the kid's bedroom, um, you can see straight through to mom and dad. And as we surrender, I think that we become more transparent. I think that's what it's about. With everything we hand over to God, with every struggle where we choose to depend on God, with every success that we give glory to God, we become more transparent. We glorify God. We're showing actually that the all-surpassing power is from God and it's not about us. We're jars of clay or we're transparent glass. Our purpose is to reveal God, and the key to doing this is through surrender. But maybe if we take this um, glass a little bit further, um, we're still made of the same stuff. We've still got the same potential. We've still got the same responsibility and the same gifts. However, if we don't surrender, when we hold on to things too tightly, or when we hold on to the burden ourselves, or take the glory for ourselves, then I wonder whether it's a bit like pressing that button. And the glass, it changed from being transparent to being opaque. Suddenly, instead of being able to see through to what's beyond or what's inside, it's just a solid wall. It's a barrier. It stops with us.
And I think that this is what Paul's saying. I think he's saying, let's be real and let's be honest about who we are and what our purpose actually is. And let's allow the choices that we make and the way we do stuff, let's allow it to redirect people to God rather than draw the attention to ourselves. There's a lot more I could say about being authentic in our relationship with God, but let's, let's move on into our relationships with each other. So Ephesians is another one of Paul's letter, um, letters. This time it's to a different church. Um, and Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, the context of, um, of this verse um, and what Paul's saying is that as Christians, we're all called to be in community with each other. And we're all called to be united um, in our journey towards being more like Christ. And the key to being united is being authentic, being honest. And he says we need to put off falsehood and speak truthfully. We need to be truthful about our failings and we need to be accountable for our progress. Who here's in a life group? Anyone? Yeah, lots of us. So I'm, I'm a part of one of the daytime life groups. It's um, got a creche, which is brilliant. Um, and it's been going since um, earlier this year. And something that's really struck me about the group is um, the realness. And there's a real openness and an honesty when we're sharing with each other. And this honesty and this authenticity has actually, it's broken down some barriers and it's helped us to, in a much, much deeper way, um, support each other, much, much deeper than I would have expected having only known the other ladies in the group um, for several months. And through our struggles, through our self-doubt, through our weaknesses, we're actually able to see God working in each other's lives. And... I think that that's really, um, it's been really obvious that God's been glorified in that. There's a temptation definitely to keep quiet if it's been a bad week, um, to not show up if you feel like you failed, um, or to avoid people that love you if you're ashamed of something that you've done. But actually all that does is it feeds a lie that we're on our own. And that we're not quite as sorted as everyone else. They're better than us. And it actually, it steals away the opportunity for God to give comfort and encouragement through other people. Now, I'm not saying that we should all reveal every detail of our lives to every person in church. I'm certainly not going to do that. <laughs> um, but what I am saying is that there's real power um, when in the right context with the right people we allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable. So let's be real with each other. Let's be brave and not scared of the mess because actually God works powerfully in our reality and God can do amazing things through the mess. So finally, um, the third area is being authentic in our relationships with people who don't know God. Now, something that surprised me a little bit when I was praying about this area was God said to me, the first thing I want you to say is actually has nothing to do with evangelism. And I thought, okay. 
Um, in Mark 12, verse 28, it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I wonder if we can sometimes get a bit caught up in um, wanting to share who God is. Um, and what I mean by that is we can get caught up in the, the guilt that maybe we're not being productive enough or we're not... Um, being successful enough at sharing the gospel with people. But it's, it's no small thing when Jesus says there's no commandment greater than these. It must mean that it's pretty important, actually, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this means investing in deepening our friendships. It means caring for someone so much that we're distressed. It hurts us deeply when... Um, people are going through a hard time, that we're full of joy when people are celebrating. Um, it means friendship and relationship that's fun and valuable and genuine, maybe authentic. Um, it doesn't mean spending time with someone because it ticks our evangelism box on our list of chores for the day. It doesn't mean shoehorning the word Jesus into every conversation just because it makes us feel better. And it doesn't mean walking away on a friendship because they won't come to Alpha. Imagine if um, someone befriended you under these circumstances. I'm not sure I'd feel very loved or very valued. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So do everything within the context of genuine love. This should be the foundation um, and the context for our relationships with each other. And I don't know about you, but, but for me, being able to shed that guilt, that, that feels like quite a relief to me. It, it feels like a much more fun way to do life. Now, of course, um, we should be sharing who God is, and this is going to be my last point. Um, God should be shining out of us. And actually, in, in verse 6, so just before the jar clay bit, um, it's, uh, it talks about um, God being a light that's shining out of our heart. And Paul's saying the same thing, really. He's saying that um, we should glow. It should be when people look at us, they should, shouldn't see us, they should see God. Um, and so everything we do, everything we are, um, should be about that. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, it says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And all that Paul's saying here really is, we don't need to use manipulation um, to give God's message a bit of extra help. He doesn't really need it. We don't need to pretend that now we're in a relationship with God, then everything's sorted. Because actually, I don't think any of us can really relate to that. 
And so people that haven't got a relationship with God definitely won't be able to relate to that. It is tempting to filter what we say. And actually, I, I sometimes feel as though I might be letting God down if I admit that things aren't great or I admit that I've got questions still and I haven't quite got everything sussed. You kind of think, well, God's this perfect, um, amazing being and I'm the one representing him and I'm, I'm far from that. But actually, um, I think what God wants us to remember is that it's through our imperfections and through our weaknesses and our brokenness that he's able to reveal his character much more powerfully. And so being authentic can be an incredible tool to allow this to happen, to show that the all-surpassing power is of God and not of us. So I'm just going to finish by reading um, an illustration um, or a little story that illustrates this point about God working through our imperfections. Many years ago, in a Middle East village, stood an ancient stone well. Alongside the well sat two large watering pots. One of them was like new, beautifully formed, It even had graceful etchings along its curved handle. The other, not as new, yet still useful, had become cracked over the years. Time after time, the pot was passed by by the people of the village, with the exception of a little village girl. She'd grown fond of the neglected picture. Every day, she would choose it above the beautiful pot. One morning, the old pot asked the little girl, why do you continue to use me? when you know that I'm flawed and cannot hold the water that you and your family so desperately need. She didn't answer, but instead carried the broken pot to a road that they traveled daily together. She stopped and then said, look, this is why I picked you. There before the pot was a row of delicate wild flowers that had bloomed along the trail because of the water that had trickled and leaked from the pot. The buried seeds of the flowers had been watered as the girl made her way home each day. The cracked pot, for the first time, had seen its worth through the eyes of a little girl. So I don't know where um, we're all at today. Maybe you're feeling a bit brittle. Maybe even you've been reminded this week um, of, of your weakness. And I feel like God wants to say to you, um, it's all right, it's in my strength. That actually I can, I can use this time, I can use how you feel. Just depend on me. Or maybe you're, you actually really struggle to be vulnerable um, because there's often times when we, we feel we need to be strong. We need to, uh, maybe because of our responsibilities or our roles um, in life, then we, we need to um, avoid that vulnerability. Or maybe you're thinking about the glass and you think, well, I'm not completely opaque, but actually I'm definitely not completely transparent. And 
I just wonder whether um, today is a really good opportunity, a, a start um, of being able to be united as community together and of being able to um, allow ourselves the permission to be vulnerable with each other so that God can work powerfully um, through us um, and through you. Um, so if there is anything that um, this morning God's been saying to you, then we've got, um, maybe if we've got people who could pray, um, and maybe if Neil, would you be able to come up? Um, we're just going to have a bit of time just um, singing to God now, and um, if there's anything that you'd like, um, some prayer supporting, then um, feel free to come forward and, um, and be prayed for.